Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the second installment in our Space Jam movie review series. Today we are reviewing Looney Tunes Back in Action, the movie. This is your co-host, Corbin. I'm Alan. And while this is not necessarily a direct sequel to Space Jam, there is one reference to it, which we will talk about in this review. It is nevertheless the second and for many, many years, the only live action slash animation hybrid movie to come after Space Jam that involved the Looney Tunes characters Mm -hmm. on the big screen theatrically. So we thought, you know, it's been many, many years since the first Space Jam. We didn't want to just jump into the review of Space Jam A New Legacy without looking at this, I don't know, what do you want to call it? The ugly redheaded stepchild of the series. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Critics actually like this movie. Audiences were seemingly split. You can hear all of that, how this movie came to get into production, why there wasn't a Space Jam 2 for many years. All of that is found in your guide to Looney Tunes Back in Action, the movie. That is the first link in the description below. And while you're down there, Alan and I have our profiles on Letterboxd where we watch movies throughout the week. We give reviews and thoughts that you cannot get on here. You definitely want to follow us over on Letterboxd. And of course, we have a curated list of movie reviews we think you would like to listen to. After this one, we do have the 2021 schedule. So always check out the schedule. Even though release dates change, we do keep that schedule up to date so you can see what is coming out. And there is a release date countdown. So you'll know how many days you have left until our review comes out. So you can make sure to watch the movies with us. And then, of course, we have links to all of our social media pages. We're on every major podcasting platform. So you can follow us over there anywhere and then of course our patreon page is a great place for you to get bonus content and also hang out with us more on a personal level there's tons of different levels just ranging from a dollar on up Um, it really does help us keep the lights on over here at silver screen guide and of course if you're ready to just jump straight into the review or even jump to our conclusion our final thoughts timestamps are always down there as well and no matter where you're listening make sure to give us five stars and a short written review really helps us boost up in the rankings that's a great free way to support us well alan we would have been but we lads not as we as when space jam came out you were like 10 months old when space jam came out (laughs) yeah (laughs) true this time you were almost eight years old i believe i was Oh, gosh. Just a little older than you. I was eight years, nine months old. So, am I safe to assume you did not see this theatrically? Nope. I don't remember how many movies I would have been able to see in the theater when I was this young. Uh, (laughs) But I am almost 100% sure that I did not get to see this in the theater. I did see it, uh, but not in the theater. So, if you were to see the trailer now... 
If you were a kid, would this trailer make you want to go see it in theaters, wait for home video? And then I want to know also from your adult perspective, watching this as an adult, this trailer, are you curious to go see this movie? So while I never really watched movies in the theater when I was a kid, I did kind of grow up on the older cartoons like the Tom and Jerry and uh, the Looney Tunes, of course. So I believe at the time I had also already seen Space Jam. Um, I don't remember ever seeing the trailer for this movie. It's possible that I did. But I would be very curious about this one because <laughs> I remember enjoying Looney Tunes a lot when I was a, a, a kid. And now seeing them again in a movie, you know, with live action actors. Um, yeah, I would be curious. And now looking at it today with my more adult brain, um, I would not be so curious. Uh, as I stated last uh, week, wasn't a very big fan of Space Jam. So I probably would steer pretty clear of uh, this uh, sequel, whatever you want to call it, of Looney Tunes Back in Action. So if I was a kid, I probably would pursue it more. Um, if I was an adult, like I am now, probably would not even try. I agree. If I was a kid, I think something here would look appealing to me. It does look very kind of hyper, like it would definitely keep my attention. It does look comedic. But as an adult, it's a hard pass. I mean, the the trailers, first of all, just on a technical level, the trailers, I watch trailer, the teaser, and then like the theatrical trailer, they both scream early 2000s. Um, they're also quite desperate, showing almost the whole movie. To me, it just looks like a lot to handle. Um, I will say they are doing something right, at least, by really making this look like a Looney Tunes cartoon that just mm -hmm. bursts into real life. That's something I felt was missing last time around. But otherwise, there would be no reason for me to go see this theatrically or on home video. Right. We also kind of talked about in... Uh the your guide to this that you know when people talk about the live action looney tunes movies they pretty much mean just space jam or only would talk about space jam because as far as i'm aware or at least as far as i've heard not too many people know or have seen this movie uh looney tunes back in action that's kind of reflective in the the box office um so it's also kind of interesting to come back to this because we noted last movie, Space Jam has a lot of, uh, well, the internet's kind of latched back onto it over the years, right? Not the same case as Looney Tunes Back in Action. This one has not really sat as nostalgic as Space Jam is with the general public. Yeah, I am curious about that, Alan. You've mentioned this isn't your first time seeing the movie. Do you remember your first time seeing it? How many times have you seen it? And what were your thoughts back then? I know I was young. I don't know how old I was when I watched it. I've only seen it maybe a couple of times um, from my own memory. I remember liking, I remember, okay. I knew it was uh, related to Space Jam because um, I had definitely seen Space Jam at that point when I watched this. I remember not liking it as much as Space Jam if my memory serves me correctly. Um, so I've only seen maybe a couple of times. Space Jam, I've seen a lot more. Um, but this one, maybe like once, twice, I wouldn't say no more than three or four times, unlike Space Jam. 
And I'm the exact opposite. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't seen Space Jam except maybe once when it came out on VHS. And this one, my family did own on VHS. I've seen this movie numerous times. I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in the theaters, but I definitely know I was at the theaters in 2003 because I went to go see Spy Kids 3D with my grandma. Ah. Definitely remember that. I had the crush on the girl at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So didn't forget that. So I have seen it over the years. It's been many, many years since I've watched it all the way through. I did actually start it a couple years ago on Netflix. I didn't get too far with it. It was more so just out of didn't really have much else to do and curiosity revisiting this movie oh, yeah. I enjoyed in my childhood. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen Looney Tunes back in action and you don't want the movie spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and check out the movie and come back here and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Oh gosh, I feel like an idiot reading this plot, but... Uh, what to say? I'm really curious to know how you put this one together. <laughs> DJ Drake, played by Brendan Fraser, wants to be an action star like his father, Damian Drake, played by Timothy Dalton. But he just doesn't have what it takes. And neither does Daffy Duck, apparently. He's booted from Bugs Bunny's new movie, and DJ loses his job after chasing Daffy Duck all over the WB lot, which ends in the ruination of VP of Comedy, Kate, played by Jenna Elfman's car. Daffy follows DJ home when all of a sudden the TV remote starts ringing. Damien's self-portrait opens up to reveal Damien video calling DJ telling him to find Dusty Tails in Las Vegas. She will lead them to the Blue Monkey, which is a diamond. The video ends with Damien captured and DJ and Daffy hitting the road. Come to find out the Acme Corporation captured Damien. Mr. Chairman, played by Steve Martin, wants to use the diamond to transform everyone on the planet into monkey slaves to make shoddy Acme products, then back into humans to buy them. When the duo get to Vegas, they find Dusty at the Yosemite Sam Casino. But Acme gets there first, bribing him to take out DJ and Daffy. Dusty, played by Heather Locklear, isn't just a showgirl, but is actually an assassin. DJ's father was supposed to track down the blue monkey before Mr. Chairman got to him. She gives him a Queen of Diamonds playing card featuring the Mona Lisa on his face. Meanwhile, Kate goes to DJ's house, where she finds Bugs Bunny reenacting the murder from Psycho in the shower. They find... We'll talk about it. (laughs) They find Damien's spy car and they take it to Vegas. A chase ensues between DJ Daffy, Yosemite Sam, and his henchmen. Ultimately, Daffy, DJ, Kate, and Bugs reunite when DJ screams Mother, accidentally activating the spy car to fly them to Mother. (laughs) On their journey, the car runs out of gas, stranding them in the desert. After a brief trip to Walmart, the gang just so happens to find an invisible wall they pass through. On the other side, they find Area 52. Mother is, in fact, the head scientist, played by Joan Cusack. After equipping the group with tons of spy gadgets, Marvin the Martian unleashes a horde of aliens whom our heroes escape from. Since the Mona Lisa is on the card, they connect the dots. They must travel to Paris. Once they're in front of the painting, they peel the back of the card, giving them an X-ray look through the Mona Lisa. Behind the famous painting is actually an old map of Africa. Kate uses her phone to take a picture, but Elmer Fudd pops up demanding the card at gunpoint. Since Bugs and Daffy take the card, they lead Fudd on a wild goose chase through paintings. 
Mr. Chairman's henchman is also there. He wants the picture on Kate's phone. So he kidnaps her, taking her to the top of the Eiffel Tower. He escapes via helicopter with the phone while Kate falls off the tower, but DJ jumps after her to save her. Back at Acme headquarters, the picture is worthless because Daffy's face is in it. Now in Africa, they find the blue monkey. They are taken to it by Granny, Tweety Bird, and Sylvester, who are also DJ's neighbors. But Granny and Sylvester unzip themselves to reveal they are actually Mr. Chairman and the henchman. But not before turning into his dad and Michael Jordan, which is just archive footage. But then back to the chairman. He teleports them to Acme where he shows them Damien strapped to dynamite on train tracks with the train of death heading straight towards them. Mr. Chairman commands Marvin to implant the diamond onto the Acme satellite, but Daffy and Bugs fly up to stop Marvin. Bugs pulls out his carrot lightsaber to no avail. Back on Earth, DJ and Kate must get past a giant robot dog in order to save his father. Back in space, Daffy turns into Duck Dodgers, using his beak to overload the satellite by absorbing it all in his bill. A blast ricochets, hitting the chairman, turning only him into a monkey. DJ saves his father and all's well that ends well, especially when you're just shooting a movie. Daffy is shocked to realize he's been in Bugs Bunny's movie all along. DJ gets to confront his real-life doppelganger, Brendan Fraser, and Bugs tells Daffy they're partners from now on as credits roll. And there's an after-credits scene of Daffy getting triple cherries on a slot machine, which blows up Sam's henchman? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Positives first. Positives first. Positives um, first okay, right. last time... We talked about, uh, one of the things we talked about at least was uh, one of the big technologies, which wasn't necessarily anything new at the time, but was just rare, was that interaction of 2D animation with live action footage, right? And how back in 88, you know, we had the first feature length movie that did this, which is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? expensive uh endeavor uh kind of a complicated endeavor i would say that this they definitely have refined that process um with the looney tunes because i would say of the two i think this one definitely looks better in terms of incorporating uh the 2d animation with the th with the, the live action footage when compared to space jam um there's and they they don't shy away from that. They there's a most of this movie is uh, with the two D characters interacting with the world, whereas in the last movie they we only had really had I guess a scene when we had you know Daffy and um, and Bugs walking around the house. It's like that scene, but like the the whole movie. And I would say that they've definitely refined that process. They definitely have, and this was at the point where. CG creations were starting to really come into the world of live action and yep. make it more seamless. I mean, there was, they did do this before in other movies and it always looked really bad. I would say it looked very obvious, but I mean, just think about it. So this came out in 03, the year before Scooby-Doo came out mm -hmm. with a fully CGI Scooby-Doo dog. The year after the Scooby-Doo 2 came out, and then the year after that was even bigger with the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which Alan and some special guests have reviewed, by the way. Right. 
So you could see this was just becoming more and more prevalent and more and more realistic just to accept this, which really was changing the way we watched movies. It wasn't just all animated or all live action. It was blending them in such a way that it was really blurring the lines. And you're right, the effects are a lot better than last time. All of this world seems to blend together so much better. I'm very impressed that it has held up for the most part in that way. Even though this movie is 17 years old, the visual effects are really nice to look at in that sense. The other thing that I'm glad to see is that they are retaining the character design. We're not having these weird you know, Sonic the Hedgehog moments. And honestly, right. Alan, I'm going to go ahead and go on the record. I think that these characters look better than the Tom and Jerry characters and live action CG blend that we reviewed um, just a couple months ago with the Tom and Jerry movie. Oh, yeah. No, ab absolutely. Uh, the, <laughs> it's, it's just weird that they're going down a 3D route. I guess I can understand that it might be an easier process to do that than having to draw 2D over top and mix that with, you know, the live action. Um, if you're going down the more traditional 2D route, they, the models of Tom and Jerry in that movie did not ever really look that good. Um, so I'm with you. I think this just looks better because it, it does retain partially part of it is that they, you know, they're retaining not only the same, uh, the same designs for these characters, but they're still, as far as I can tell, uh, done the traditional way of doing 2D and live action blending. Um, so it definitely makes them, since now that they've refined this process, makes it look a way, way better than whatever Tom and Jerry was. I'm afraid that, you know, when Space Jam A New Legacy comes out, that they're going to do that same thing again. I haven't seen the trailer yet, um, but I have seen a, a photo of it, and it looks like they're kind of going on the same route as Tom and Jerry doing 3D models instead of these 2D ones. The other thing this movie does to kind of retain its originality is it opens by recreating a classic Looney Tunes cartoon mm -hmm. that I'm sure some people are familiar with, but it has a meta twist. So I guess it should come as no surprise that the movie opens with a twist and it closes with a twist is you think you're rewatching a Looney Tunes cartoon when in fact, it's just a script. They're having a script meeting with the actual Warner Brothers. And from there on out, it gets meta galore. Um, yeah. We have the director, famous director slash producer, Roger Corman on set. Um, he was the guy that was doing the Batman movie and Brendan Fraser does the jump onto the, the bag and the director says, hey, that was really expensive to blow up. That's Roger Corman. There is just so many celebrity cameos in this. Like I said, there was the NASCAR guy, Timothy Dalton, who played James Bond, who is playing a spy in this show, who is actually a spy in real life. Mm -hmm. um, we also get to see Matthew Lillard getting criticized by Casey Kasem, the voice of Shaggy for his live action performance of Shaggy in Scooby-Doo. Um Brendan Fraser said, did you see those mummy movies? I'm in them more than Brendan Fraser is. Yep. And he meets Brendan Fraser. This movie is like meta to the extreme. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but I will have, to, I do have to say that they definitely pull some pretty good comedy out of some of these meta segments. Like 
for example, uh, one of the first ones is when they're having that boardroom meeting, right? Mm, and mm -hmm. Daffy refers to the two CEOs as the Brothers Warner, yeah. uh, of course, for Warner Brothers. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there are some, there are honestly, this first half of the movie for me was hilarious. Like, I was oh, like, yeah. okay, this is absolutely hysterical. And the second half gets to gets kind of into the weeds, and we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> but I at first I was kind of digging these you know these meta references, uh, the fact that yeah Shaggy's screaming at himself for the role that he played. You know, you made me sound like a space cadet man. Um, it was a line that he had. Um, then of course Brothers Warner, and then there's also one later. Uh, actually, it's in that same scene right before uh, Shaggy has his line from Porky Pig when he's like, first they tell me to lose the stutter, then they tell me I'm not funny. It's a pain in the butt being uh, being politically correct. That was uh, funny. Or, or just some funny lines. So this first half, I mean, I was like, okay, it's kind of funny, right? This is, I'm, I'm kind of digging that, you know, it's kind of all about like all in the, you know, being meta with, with Hollywood and things of that nature. Uh, we'll see how it holds up later in the film. But in the first half, I was, I was in with it. I was thinking it was pretty funny. It is really funny in the beginning. I put down funny writing so far. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it coming from Daffy, I think, when he calls Kate an icy she-wolf and yeah. he points to Bugs Bunny and he accuses him of, he said this perpetrator of low-brow burlesque humor. Um, just funny like that. When he sees... Dusty Tails in her tight leather outfit later, he says, how many galoshes died to make that little number? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's weird because the jokes are landing, you know, somewhat, but, and this is, okay, this is another thing I somewhat heard behind the scenes, I couldn't corroborate it, was they brought in multiple writers just to write the jokes, but not the actual story. They hmm. had... One guy on the story, and then, of course, some input from Dante and Goldberg, some of the creative head honchos, but they had people come in specifically to write jokes, and none of them are credited. I would believe that because some of these jokes and the actual writing within the story, some stuff just isn't matching up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I There's a lot of examples of that. Um, I say that... You know, when they do work, they're they are very funny. Uh, mm -hmm. But when they don't work there, they stand out quite a bit. I think the most standout one to me is the Walmart, the Walmart one. Um, yeah, it's weird. But like I said, we'll talk about that in a sec because we're still in positives at this point. You know, I'm really glad actually that we have a new voice actor for Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. Um, the other two have been replaced. Um, Joe, Joe Alasky to me sounds just like Bugs and Daffy. Whereas when I watched Space Jam last time, I could tell that wasn't Bugs Bunny's voice. Honestly, I don't remember too much about Daffy. Did you notice this at all, Alan? To me, it stood out immediately that this guy is so much better, um, than at Bugs Bunny's voice than Billy West was. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think th I definitely knew that this wasn't, you know, the original voice, but it definitely sounded much better than Space Jam. Space Jam, it was kind of noticeable that the voice actors were not, did not really sound, oh, they sounded different, you know, than the original cartoons, which is to be expected because the guy who used to do that voice is, he died in, in the 80s. But 
um, you know, there's still, you know, there's still another voice actor that followed him that also did the voices. So, um, yeah, I definitely knew that there was a difference, but it felt closer this time around. It felt more like, you know, this is the actual character's voice, not some other guy that he found on the street to do his voice. It really does. It's very well done. Um, this movie also does give me the 2000s on the road quest type of vibes that this was kind of a very popular thing was to have these characters go on this quest, you know, get them on the road. I really do kind of like those movies. It, this movie is mostly a James Bond ripoff, but as far as the 2000s go, they did this a lot. And this, this is the nostalgia factor for me. Not that it's Brendan Fraser, not that it's Bugs Bunny or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I do think the plot kicks off in the right way and it's consistently engaging. It's a very simple kind of fun plot, but the humor is enough for me. There is actually some self-referential humor I didn't pay attention to as a kid. And going meta, I didn't even know what meta was when I was a kid. I really see that as the only way to go. Whereas Space Jam took this really, really weird approach of creating the Looney Tunes universe as like a Warner Brothers property that's held within the center of planet Earth. And you can break through it and... That was just yeah. its own weird sci-fi yeah. take as well. But going meta and stuff, as an adult, I can appreciate that more. Yeah. So I just looked this up. Uh, the guy I was, I was referring to, Joe Alasky, yes. is playing the voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. So no wonder he sounds much better because that's the guy who followed the original voice actor. Um, he's playing the voices of these characters. Which, so no wonder they sound much better than they did last time because they're played by the best guy who can play those voices. Yeah. Billy West is still in this movie. He only plays Elmer Fudd and Peter Lore. Um, but he only has those two roles, not playing also Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and whoever else. So Joe Alasky is playing Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Beaky Buzzard, Sylvester, and Mama Bear. Um, so no wonder they sound much better and more original than they do in Space Jam. It, it does make me question, though, why they didn't get him for Space Jam. It is really right. strange. And it is weird that they did bring back Billy West. And they're like, yeah, you're not Bugs Bunny this time. You're Elmer Fudd. And um, the other guy that did Daffy Duck, I believe, he he's currently works on the Star Wars Clone Wars TV show. He plays the clones. Um, I think he still might be doing some minor voice in this movie. It's just weird the choice is going the executive choice is going on over there yeah so i did mention this in the your guide uh, the reason why joe alasky wasn't didn't play the voices is he just kind of got fed up with you know doing uh auditions and not hearing anything oh. about what role he's going to get so he walked away <laughs> oh, uh, that's and then they right. gave it to billy west and a couple other guys that didn't well apparently apparently he got unfed up and came back for this so yeah who knows what kind of paycheck they gave him <laughs> that's what i'm wondering because We've mentioned it a little bit here and there where there's a lot of cameos in this, right? You mm -hmm. have, of course, the producer uh, in that and when, uh, what's his name? Brendan Fraser, when Brendan Fraser falls on the on the mat. Uh, yeah. Then you've also got Ron Perlman as one of the <laughs> henchmen to Steve Martin, who's also mm -hmm. uh, like the big bad guy of this movie. Um, yeah. so, it's a much bigger Jeff cast than last time. Oh yeah, and even much bigger cast and 
much bigger names like Michael Jordan, of course, uh, in the last movie. Well, I, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say much bigger names, but like a lot more big name cameos as well mm-hmm. from last time. A bunch of right. basketball stars last time. This one is kind of like, I guess, more of like the Hollywood equivalent to what Space Jam was to basketball because <laughs> Space Jam was had a lot of in-jokes about basketball, right? Um, this one's kind of that same thing, but it's more in-jokes with like Hollywood culture and stuff. Uh, so now they kind of have, I guess, equivalent uh, stars to do some cameos um, in this movie, like Ron Perlman or the guy who used to be James Bond back in License to Kill and stuff like that. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of like uh, name, big name actors in this one. Kind of like how there are also big name uh, stars in Space Jam. Oh, yeah, you're right. There is a lot more of that. I noticed more so as an adult. I didn't really think of as a kid. I will say my biggest compliment to this movie is it does a much better job of making this feel like a legit Looney Tunes movie instead of shoehorning in the Looney Tunes into a Michael Jordan basketball type movie. Um, I think one of the standout sequences is when they're at the Louvre in Paris and they're chasing um, Elmer Fudd through these paintings, him and Daffy, and they're just kind of going in and out of those paintings. I found that to be a really fun sequence and showed how the Looney Tunes can just break reality. They can just do whatever they want and especially how they interact with characters and whatnot. Space Jam was weird because it was Bugs Bunny who just randomly thought up challenging aliens to basketball and the Looney Tunes have, as far as I can tell, have never had anything to do with sports. So just pushing them to a sports movie, they don't have anything to do with being spies either, but more or less, this movie really isn't much of a spy movie. It's mostly just this wacky off the wall comedy, I would say, that just has this weird spy thread of trying to get a diamond and thwart of course they have to thwart the acme corporation you see the acme products and the looney tunes stuff all the time yeah this is very much a um a a homage to or homage it's very this is very much a homage to uh like older more classic hollywood we of course have the james bond references that's pretty hard to go without noticing because of uh who you know brendan fraser's dad is in this movie or do who DJ's dad is in this movie and they've also got posters up over over the place of right like you know off the wall like references to uh to 007 like license to kill i think it's called something else but it's that same mm-hmm. poster yeah um but you've also got uh references to um indiana jones in this movie let me see i had a bunch of psycho and stuff Psycho, of course, in this movie, yeah. Um, like things like that, right? Lots of oh, Lethal Weapon is another one too. The Lethal Weapon babies is one they bring up in the boardroom, and I was and the oh, Warner's bro- the yep. brothers Warner are like, now nah, I can finally take my kids to see a a, uh, a Lethal Weapon movie. Uh-huh. Um, so like tons and tons of references, like all over the place. They just keep coming. Uh, oh, yeah. like classic Hollywood invasion uh, of the of body snatchers, also. Yep. Invasion of the Body Snatchers 2. It gets to a point where it's just like, why? Um, right, right. I agree. Which I put yeah, that in my we'll, notes too. Yeah, yeah I'm like, we'll, we'll oh, get into what? it later. But you're right. This is very much, uh, this is very much, you know, referencing like classic Hollywood movies in 
you know, classic Hollywood culture. I do want to know, do you have a favorite sequence in this movie? Because there's a lot of exciting stuff in it. My -hmm. personal probably favorite in this movie is the car chase through Vegas. I always found that to be pretty fun. And then once the car flies away and then um, it says we ran out of gas and she says it doesn't work that way. And then the car crashes. I just found that whole sequence to be pretty fun. Yeah, let me find it real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's actually kind of the thing leading into that and also kind of that car chase. Uh, There's a... It's with... They get the card, right? The Queen of Diamonds. And then they kind of lose it in the casino with Yosemite Sam. um, And so he's, like, chasing after them. And then um, they have this quick card game, uh, this quick blackjack game where... Uh, Brendan Fraser DJ keeps saying, hit me, hit me. And all he keeps getting mm-hmm. is aces and twos, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is, you know, completely impossible, but right. just keeps getting aces and twos, like the greatest hand in the world. And then finally he gets the card. And when, uh, when Yosemite Sam says hit me, then Foghorn Leghorn, you know, like crushes him with a two by four. Um, and then that, that leads into that big car chase through, through LA. So there are a few jokes like this one where I thought they were just funny. Um, but that is probably one of my favorite sequences is, you know, leading into that big chase through uh, L.A. So it does sound like for Vegas, you mean Vegas, right? I mean Vegas, yeah. So it does sound like we both, the Vegas stuff is probably some of the most fun for us. That's yeah. where the movie is sticking to some semblance of reality. And then mm-hmm. after that, it just goes bananas. It goes in every direction. Walmart, yeah. Area 52. Of course, they use childlike logic to just open up. They pull the screen across and all of a sudden they're in Paris and then they're in Africa. And then after that, it gets to be too much. So anyways, I will say some things that do disappoint me with this movie. You know, I honestly think this would have done better as an Animaniacs movie. Alan, how familiar are you with the Animaniacs? So I've seen enough to know what you're to to agree with you. I'll say that uh, I've seen enough to I think that the Animaniacs, yeah, they may have worked better instead of Looney Tunes for this kind of a movie. Um, in fact, almost a direct swap honestly wouldn't change much, but I feel it would work better. Yeah, uh, if everything was that the same, but instead of Looney Tunes, it's the Animaniacs. Perhaps, yeah, that probably would have worked better. I couldn't help but think Animaniacs because in the beginning we're on the Warner Brothers lot. They deal with the mm-hmm. Warner Brothers water tower. That's where the Animaniacs live. And so yep. I'm like, this is Daffy running around. This is the Animaniacs. And the Animaniacs are absolutely hilarious. We have not gotten a, as far as I know, a theatrical Animaniacs movie. I think this should have been it. I think this actually may have piqued audience's curiosity more. So I am disappointed they're basically just taking the Animaniacs and just making them Bugs and Daffy and the Looney Tunes. Um, another thing that I'm kind of shocked about is the Dusty Tales sequence is pretty risque for a kid's film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, why? Right. Yeah, this definitely... Um, I think that there are a couple of things in this that probably wouldn't fly necessarily in these days. Um I think it's in that same sequence when Daffy is, you know, blown up. I guess not blown up, but they shoot a a cannonball at Daffy and he Mm -hmm. flies through a dressing room 
And he kind of comes back in, you know, does a wolf whistle and then <laughs> keeps going and the girls scream. That probably wouldn't fly today. Yeah. No. But yeah, yeah, you're right. This is P this is PG. So they're gonna, you know, they at least have a little bit of freedom to do some innuendos. There are two serious negatives that I have with this movie. The first one being I think this movie is too meta at a certain point or too self-referential. And yeah. It's obvious early on when Bugs uses the Hershey's chocolate for the blood, which from what I understand, that actually was Hershey's chocolate Hitchcock used to depict blood in black and white. This is like a college kid writing a paper and including all kinds of cool references. The reason I know this is because this is what I did for a paper, actually, and my professor said, cut it down. I love this stuff just as you just as much as you, but it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. It's far too extraneous. At a certain point, this stuff really is extraneous and it's going way too far into self-referential Hollywood movies. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that uh, I think the point when the movie, uh, where the movie like lost me, where I was having fun with it at first, and it seems like we were both in that same camp. And then as the movie kind of kept moving along and for me it started to wane and then after a certain point i was like okay wait a minute hold on what is this is when they reached area 52 um Mm -hmm. that was when the movie just kind of went off the cliff and i was like what in the world because they enter area 52 by complete accident right and they're met by this weird alien thing um so the movie just kind of went off the rails there but and i think from then on and i think there's the scene right before that is the walmart sequence where they're walking towards walmart and uh, or they see like a mirage of it mm-hmm. and bug says something to the effect of is it a mirage or just a pl- or just product placement the audience expects it they don't even notice this kind of thing and they walk right into the walmart and walk out and they're all like have different clothes on and stuff like that mm-hmm. that's when i think things are going too far and there are a ton of references from daffy or sorry from bugs like you know pointing at the audience like when they i think a little bit later when they get into africa running on the back of an elephant it's like wow what a beautiful view and that's for the audience you've been staring at the behind of an elephant for the past 30 seconds yeah it it just goes too far after a certain point it's too far i think it's too clever for its own britches you know it's too big for its own britches i should say i would i would uh i wouldn't say clever necessarily but i think you're right it just kind of yeah it's too much for itself i think i think it thinks it's too i think it thinks it's clever yeah is what i'm trying to say i agree it gets to yeah. be way too cheeky with some of that stuff. No pun intended about the elephant's <laughs> mind. <laughs> you know, you bring up that Walmart scene. And that Walmart scene, I'm wondering if Kate is letting us know that she's starring in a movie because she says, quote, I promised myself I would do sophisticated movies. And then we also hear that line, which you said, oh, the audience expects it. There's times where they call it the audience or times when she says like, I would do sophisticated movies or there is these subtle hints like winking and nodding that this is all just a movie we're watching and not actually happening in reality. I don't know. I think you could probably read it either way, but you're right. For me, after a while, the movie just gets to be too much where I'm overloaded with this kind of stuff and it gets to be wildly sloppy with how they get to Paris how they get to Africa, how Granny is actually wearing a Granny suit, wearing a Michael Jordan suit, wearing a Damian Drake suit, 
wearing a Mr. Chairman suit. It's ridiculous at a certain yeah. point, you know? Yeah, it it's going for the same kind of humor that uh, a Looney Tunes cartoon would have, um, but it, it just doesn't really fit with this kind of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um like at all so it just kind of feels weird when they try to make a joke and it's you know it, it happened to the looney tunes like you know they kept unzipping and they would have more and more disguises on or whatever like that's a looney tunes thing they do that in a cartoon right. fine whatever they do in this movie it's whatever but it, it just it doesn't really fit with the with the movie with what you know what they're going for it's just kind of weird is all and it really for me after a while um jokes kind of like that uh and the, re- the multiple references to the audience just started to get old and after at first it was hilarious like i was like okay this is i'm surprised that this has such low scores and when i get towards about the middle part when the, the movie started losing it's like well i i guess i can understand where those are coming from now yeah and the pacing is just so weird because mm-hmm. yeah the pacing up until when they leave las vegas is a fairly normal pace and then it really does from that point on, it just gets faster and faster. It's like a locomotive. It's just picking up, picking up speed until right. it's really almost too much to just even keep up with how they go from they escape area 52 by just peeling back the screen. And then it's like old crackly footage of Paris and then they're there. And then right. all of a sudden they appear in Africa and then it's almost like they're running out of time and they're like, shoot, we didn't pace the first half or first third of this movie properly we now have to pick up the pace because then the chairman somehow zaps them they've had to find a very easy way to get this blue monkey and of course the chairman is somehow always there even though he didn't really have the map of africa tons of plot holes in this movie also plot holes galore with how this all works and then he zaps them to back to acme headquarters which we have no idea where that actually really is And then they have to rescue the father and it's just like they just don't have time to fit everything in anymore and they want to hit warp speed. But my ultimate criticism, the thing that just aggravated me as a kid and it aggravates me as an adult. And when I found this out as a kid, my mind was blown, but I, but it also did ruin the movie for me as a kid actually was to find out this has been a movie all along. None of this has been real. I at right. least that's as far as I'm supposed to believe. It's that classic uh it was all a dream kind of thing, right? Which is Where, horrible storytelling. Yeah, it's it's just kind of silly because I get it, right? They're trying to go for, you know, oh, it's all about Hollywood. It's I guess they maybe are going for trying to um pay homage to older classic Hollywood through the Looney Tunes in a the live action movie starring Brendan Fraser. Um, it, yeah, it's just, it's a silly ending because it is, I, I guess maybe that's kind of what they're going for, but at the same time, it just doesn't work that they go for, oh, it was a movie the whole time. Right. Uh, like again, just like how it was a dream the whole time kind of a thing. It's the, it's the exact same thing just with a, a new coat of paint on. Um, I, I'm with you. It's kind of silly. I, I mean, it's, it is kind of funny that, you know, the whole movie is about Daffy wanting to have his own movie at the same time that Bugs is like the big name. And finally, Daffy, I guess, kind of gets in to be having a similar role as as Bugs. Um, but come to find out it was all actually a movie kind of a thing. Um, 
it's it's just silly is, is what it is i do i at this point i didn't really care i didn't remember this though i i remembered once they like pulled back the screen it was like oh right i remember this when they did that at the very end of the story i remember also being kind of like confused and kind of disappointed as a kid too this is one of those twists that i think you could really only pull off once like and i'm specifically thinking of like the wizard of oz and I'm pretty sure there's a short story, something like Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge that does this as well. That could be even older than that. To me, you can only pull it off once for the audience to really kind of get them. And then any other time you pull it off, we've seen that before. And you're honestly just going to alienate the audience, I think, anyway. If you're going to do that, then their characters have to have learned a lesson. Otherwise, there's no consequence to all of this. And ultimately, that's what we're left with here at the end of this movie is there was no consequence to anything. Nothing was really yeah. accomplished. All of these character developments and whatnot were all just a script behind some nameless director. And we know that Joe Dante, this was not how he originally envisioned the end of the movie. We don't know what the end was. He didn't ever say what it was. But to me... I don't like it at all. It's still, I still don't like the choice. It's frustrating. And that's what makes this movie hard for me to like everyone to rewatch is knowing that I'm just watching a movie and it's all fake. It's just, it's way too meta, way too self-referential. It gets, it goes way too far. So far that they just ruin it for me. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't necessarily care that it ends the way that it ends. I don't like it either, but uh, I, I, it doesn't bother me very much. Uh, it's more of that, you know, there really is nothing to be learned at the end of this movie, I feel. Exactly. Um, there is something with Daffy, uh, and I, I I don't even know if you want to count this, but the same with um, Brendan Fraser DJ, how he is, we find out that he was a stunt double for another guy who looks just like him in those, mo in those movie movies as well, right? <laughs> um, which he was still starring at the time. Um so when he gets to the end, he like kind of, I guess, punches himself, which is okay. Uh, so they're like light messages here, but its main concern is Hollywood and Hollywood culture, right? That's his main concern. There really is nothing much to be learned here. And to be fair, there wasn't a whole lot with Space Jam either, um, but at least that had something to it. Mm -hmm. Even if it was, you know, rather weak and kind of yeah. light. This one I feel is more of like an afterthought. Their main concern was, you know, being a part of Hollywood culture and poking fun at it and, and whatnot and playing into that kind of a thing. That was that feels like that's their main concern here. And because of that, the story is real sloppy. Uh, it's all over the place. It's it's insane. Um, it's off the rails at times. And that really kind of hurts it, especially when you are trying to understand what's going on. Um, and there really isn't much to this. So, you know. Well, I uh, I think I know what your recommendation and rating are going to be for this one. Don't think that'll be too surprising for either of us. But Alan, mm -hmm. what is your rating and recommendation for Looney Tunes back in action? The movie, which is so self-referential in and of itself. It's been a long time since I've seen this. I remembered the ending. I remembered the weird kind of dumb CGI robot dog at the end. I remembered bits and pieces here and there. Um, 
And maybe there is a reason why I didn't like it as a kid. <laughs> I don't think it's very good. I think it has its moments, right? The first few minutes of this movie are legitimately pretty funny. They do have some really good comedy, like the Brothers Warner um, and things like that. The first half is, I think, is the best part about this movie. And uh, even that, even that's still Hollywood referen referential, which is fine. It's just that second half keeps going with that same joke and keeps making the same jokes over and over again. The same references to the audience breaking the fourth wall. Uh, it makes for a very monotonous movie that is also kind of bug nuts and goes all over the place with really no lead in either. They played off as a cartoon, um, which is fine if you like really play into that and they, I feel like they try, but don't really go the whole distance. Uh, so this way I feel is just too wrapped up in trying to be meta that it completely loses what it's, you know, it completely loses its identity. And that's really all it is. It's just a meta movie with Looney Tunes. So it's got its moments, but I don't think it's very good. So I'm going to give it also a four out of 10, not recommend from me. Same score as last time is Space Jam, but I don't think I gave Space Jam a recommend. So no, you, you did recommend Space Jam. Yeah. Looney Tunes Back in Action does hold some nostalgia for me. I really enjoyed it as a kid. I thought it was a really fun movie. Of course, the ending never quite sat right with me. That always did perturb me. As an adult, I can sum it up in just this one way. It's good for a fun family night with a pizza, but it isn't fun watching Solo as an adult. So I think if you have young children, it's a Friday night. Go get a pizza. Have fun watching this movie. There is a little bit of risque stuff in it. It's really nothing like too much. I do think you can have fun watching it as a family. Looking at it with the SSG goggles, looking at it as an adult, it's not good. There is too many flaws with it. It does have a surprisingly solid opening, but nevertheless, it's just one that isn't gets to be too much after a while and ultimately you come to realize what's the point of any of this so i'm giving looney tunes back in action five stars out of ten with a mild not recommend so you do like this one a little bit more than space jam because we both gave space jam a four we both gave space jam a four i gave space jam a solid not recommend this one is up by one point for me <laughs> Um, yeah, this one I do like before Space Jam, and if ever I was just presented with the choice, Corbin, you have to choose which one would you rather watch, I'm actually going to choose this one. Um, I just found Space Jam to be a lot less enjoyable. Space Jam was had no honestly no business being a theatrical movie, clocking in at 88 minutes, including credits. It really had no business being a theatrical movie. Michael Jordan can't act. I really like Brendan Fraser. I've always enjoyed him. He's fun. Um, this movie felt more like a Looney Tunes movie than Space Jam ever did. Um, there, this movie just had more going for it. Unfortunately, I think this movie got a big head and it just ran itself into the ground. So I don't recommend either. Of, I don't recommend listeners watch either movie. <laughs> right. But yeah, uh, you did. I guess you did actually recommend Space Jam. So. That's true. It is. Yeah, I think most, I think this is purely on nostalgia at this point, because for me, they're both pretty close. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Space Jam, but not by a whole lot. Wow. Um, I definitely have a lot more nostalgia for that movie 
and it does have a lot of wackiness to it. And this one has some of that too. Um, so, and maybe if you if I would really push, you know, I could potentially also recommend this one, but, uh, I'm glad to say Space Jam, at least for me. Well, I am super curious, honestly, to see Space Jam, a new legacy to see if they can make this any better. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you have hope. I do not. I gave up hope a long time ago. <laughs> do I even need to ask, is this a pickup or pass, Alan? Um, if I find it for like three bucks, maybe I'll pick it up. <laughs> uh, but that that's about it. Only if, because I, I still have some nostalgia for this. Not much, but some. So I, I might grab it if it's real cheap. So I did check. It's impossible to find on physical media unless you're Figured. willing to pay through the nose for a used copy, which I am not. I did actually pick this one up for the review. I picked it up for like six or seven bucks on Movies Anywhere. So it's on all my digital platforms now. I'm glad I have this one in my collection because I do plan on probably showing it to my kids someday or I do have some younger family members that if I'm ever trying to think of something to watch, I could throw this one on for them. I think this one earns its PG rating. I don't think Space Jam necessarily needed to be PG, but this one does more so earn its PG rating with those dusty yeah. tails, you know, bouncing around on stage. Yeah, Space Jam <laughs> does kind of earn its PG rating with Lola Bunny, I suppose. Um, I think that's probably the biggest reason why I probably would have gone for the PG. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they both do earn that, I would say. But yeah, there is definitely a lot more innuendo in this one. That is true. So clearly neither of us recommend Looney Tunes back in action. But what do you recommend our listeners check out? The SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Um, mm. <laughs> it's actually been a while since I've watched this. I, I watched it somewhat recently. Um, and I remember it being pretty good. Uh, so I'd recommend that one. Uh, it's, of course, based off of the SpongeBob SquarePants TV show. It's the one that came out in 2004, so like a year after this movie. Um, so that's what oh, I recommend. Wow. I have a lot of recommendations, actually. I'm going to first and foremost be recommending the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, which oh. I think is a lot better than this one. Have you seen it, Alan? I haven't. Hmm. Is that the new one that came out around this time? Um, yeah, it came out around this time. I don't remember when it came out, but... Okay. Okay, it came out in 2000, so it actually predated this movie. Gotcha. I personally find it to be a lot better, so definitely check it out. I guess nobody else agrees with me, according to the Metascore <laughs> and IMDb score, but anyways. Um, I am going to also be recommending people check out the Scooby-Doo live action movie one and two. The first one is pretty bad. The second one is still bad, but it's not as bad. But I am curious for listeners to kind of compare and contrast um, some of these kind of Warner Brothers, Hanna-Barbera movies come to the big screen. I am also going to be recommending the James Bond film Moonraker, which I found to be very similar in a lot of ways. Moonraker is pretty bad, but it's also a lot of fun. It's just insane. It's like, what if James Bond met Star Wars? That's what Moonraker is. Right. I'm also going to be recommending 
Brendan Fraser's film, George of the Jungle. That's another movie I really liked as a kid. Um, it's a movie my wife will not watch with me today. Uh, came out in 1997. She made us shut it off. Um, but Br- Brendan Fraser's ripped in it. So check it out. All right. I do have a lot of other recommendations from 2003 as well. I decided to comb through the 2003 family and comedy releases and check out and see what's better. So I'm going to be recommending Holes, that movie. Have you seen Holes, Alan? Yeah, it's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. See, that one's a classic 2003 movie. Yeah. Recommending Spy Kids 3D. Cheaper by the Dozen was the other Steve Martin movie that came out that year. Probably my favorite family movie from 2003 has to be Johnny English. Rowan Atkinson is fantastic. I love Johnny English. I actually haven't seen that, but I remember seeing the trailers for it. They wait, they made a new one, didn't they? Like the last few years ago, they did make a third one, which I have yet to see. I've okay. seen the sick. I've I seen I the second one though. Third one, the first one's the best. Just stick with the first one. Gotcha. I'm also going to be recommending the Lizzie McGuire movie, the Peter Pan movie, which I remember seeing in theaters. Oh gosh, I remember seeing that in theaters. That was a fun time. I made my wife watch that with me not that long ago. She didn't nice. want to, but I was sick and it was my pick. Um, also, Daddy Daycare came out in 03, Haunted Mansion, both great fun Eddie Murphy movies. DreamWorks Sinbad was also really fun. I remember seeing that in theaters. That was exciting. I haven't seen that one. I know <laughs> of it, but I have never seen it. Alan, do you remember uh, Kangaroo Jack? Yes, I remember Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> That one came out in 03 as well. Also, Agent Cody Banks came out and Beethoven's Fifth. So I'm recommending all those movies. I've seen Kangaroo Jack more times than I'd like to admit, only because it... Cartoon Network kept (laughs) playing that movie so many times when I was a kid. It was annoying. I've seen this movie probably a dozen times, only because of Cartoon Network. (laughs) That's funny. I remember that was on Cartoon Network all the time. Yep. Well, as we've already mentioned, this was a bomb. No surprise, we haven't gotten a live action sequel or new story since. Instead, we're getting a nostalgic sequel to the 90s Space Jam over 17 years since back in action. We'll have to wait and see if they will reference this film at all, possibly in a comical way like this one did. Honestly, I'm really hoping for some Brendan Fraser cameo like in the stands or some kind of cameo like this one had this, um, you know, winking reference to Space Jam. I'm hoping they will reference, give a meta reference to BIA. That's the only thing that makes sense. I, I hope we get it. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, would you rather go on a spy adventure with Daffy Duck or with Bugs Bunny? Um, Definitely Daffy Duck. He's a lot funnier. Yeah, I'm going to be with you on that one. I think Daffy. Well, listeners, many of you have already seen Space Jam, A New Legacy. That movie just came out in theaters and on HBO Max three days ago. So I'm very curious to see what you think. Our review is coming out next Monday for that film. And then we will be returning to theaters once again with our 14th. Yes, you read that right. Our 14th. M. Night Shyamalan movie review for his brand new movie, Old, only in theaters, which I'm super curious to see that. It looks very fascinating. I'm curious. He left us off with a movie that was uh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious to see what new Shyamalan can do. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know how hopeful I am 
because of what we saw, but maybe he'll be different. I hope he is. I think he will be. I think we're going to be in for a treat with old. Fingers crossed, could be totally wrong. And then after old, we will be giving you a re-release actually of a old review of prisoners that was actually behind a paywall we're going to be making it free for everyone with a brand new introduction from me and alan just our thoughts on kind of how our podcast format has changed if our thoughts on prisoners have changed at all that'll be an appetizer to get you ready for our finishing up denis with the final three movies that will be coming out mid-september but after the prisoners review we will be kicking it off with Candyman 1992 and we're going to be reviewing all of the Candyman movies up to the theatrical release of the Candyman 2021. I gotta say I'm kind of tired of reboots, remakes, or whatever they are giving themselves the exact same title as the original. They did it with Halloween, they're doing it with Candyman, they do it all the time. Well Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will see you back next week to for now wrap up our space jam slash looney tunes review series with space jam a new legacy Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Alright. It is June 26, 2021, 2.40 p.m., become a really nice sunny day after a really dingy morning but who can ever predict the weather when you live in the midwest it's true this is very true especially when you all of a sudden wake up and uh chicago is under a tornado watch and then turns into a tornado warning (laughs) and that was completely sunny outside Uh, i don't understand it wonderful didn't really have much else to do in curiosity revisiting 
This movie I enjoyed in my childhood. Oh, great. The AC just turned on. I got to go turn it off. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. And this is at the end of a sentence. <laughs> uh, there is a little bit of risque content, mostly with, uh, oh, well, crap. What's her name? The girl bunny. What is her name? Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. What is her name? Lola bunny? Lola. That's it. Yeah. We, we restate the whole thing. 